As we enter the home stretch of the midterm elections, where do Americans stand? What issues will come to the fore? Who will control Congress? And can democracy weather at all if the vote is close? Today on 13th and Park. The future doesn't belong to the same party. There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. We will make America strong again. We will get through this together. I can hear you. So, Justin, we, we have John McLaughlin with us today. John and I go way back into many, many, many campaigns. But I had the, the first question I had to ask Johnny today. Just I've always wanted to ask it. John works very closely with his brother, Jim. You know, their company is called McLaughlin and Associates. So, John, who gets to make the call if you disagree on something? Like, is it the older brother, the younger brother, the better idea? Who wins in those kinds of situations? Well, it, it depends, but he's seven years younger. Jim was a really good basketball player, so we don't shoot it out. I don't, uh, you know, if he says he wants to shoot it out in the driveway, we don't do that. But there have been times where the wrestling gets really intense. <laughs> but because you're seven years older, don't you kind of have a certain advantage over Jimmy? Do you ever take advantage of the younger brother? That's what I want to know. The advantage is not to take advantage. The, <laughs> the advantage is to, to, you know, guide them, be the be the older brother, and you know, help them see the right things. But he is pretty stubborn on certain things. So, but it's like family. You worked with your dad for years. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a, you know, it's one thing when you're brothers. And and the good thing about being brothers is, you know, more often than not, we're both getting attacked by somebody. So we've got <laughs> each other's backs. And that's like the most important thing. Exactly. But when you deal with, you know, you worked with your dad and it was a great creative combination. I mean, we won lots of races together. And, uh, you know, he left you a legacy that was wonderful. I mean, talented. You got the right part of the DNA. Yeah, but that's why I brought in other talent like Justin, because I no longer had that. I mean, I had a, had a good start, but I can't seem to finish. So uh, Being way too modest. <laughs> <laughs> so we just saw your national survey. Justin Justin had a lot of uh, questions that, they, that kind of pop out of your survey and out of a conversation he had. Right. Well, it's so interesting, you know, the dynamic and the, 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 the current environment that we're in right now. And we'll get to, I have some questions later. I want to ask you about kind of the predictive value of polling, but let's just look at the poll. And really the, I was at a, uh, last week I was at a, a dinner and there were a lot of smart people at the table. There were some private equity people and there's some successful entrepreneurs there and people from both parties were there having a very civil conversation. And the debate came up about what's going to happen in November and no one had access to, to your most recent poll, but the debate that happened at the table was, is it the economy stupid, like James Carville famously said in 1992, or is the uh, repeal of Roe versus Wade by the U.S. Supreme Court going to upend what is traditionally the most important issue in any campaign, uh, which is the economy and inflation. So I put the question to you. I was of the view at the dinner, I took the position that uh, the inflation was the issue. Well, you're right. You're right on that in that the economy is the overwhelming issue. The, the abortion issue is something that Democrats are trying, you know, get back Republican votes. Now, Adam and I did campaign, the first, actually the first 
time the Democrats used that, that issue in a campaign was 1989, the governor's race. And we barely lost by a couple thousand votes, but we were down, I don't know, 20 points. You know, people were trying to duck it and run on other issues. And finally, we, we addressed it. And Marshall Coleman and, and people said, you know, if we had one more day, we would have won because we were neutralizing the issue, making the Democrat the extremist. The big thing now is back then, public opinion was probably pro-abortion five to three nationally. And it was certainly that way in Virginia during that race. Now you've got the sonogram generation who's moved up and they're looking at it and they're saying, you know, in California, New York, you can have an abortion up until the ninth month. And people are like, no, nope, that's too much. Florida, just before the Hobbs decision, Governor DeSantis moved Florida law to be in line with Mississippi, which is 15 weeks. That's where most of public opinion is. So the pro-lifers have moved it. But when they when they do the bans, that it's, say, you know, only exceptions for, say, the life of the mother, rape and incest, most of the public opinion is not there yet. And that's where the Democrats are getting life. But only in those states where they've done that. Most elsewhere, these abortion laws are not changing. But you know, John, that you, you always talk about, especially with midterms, uh, the non-presidential years, about enthusiasm. Where's the voter enthusiasm in this election? And uh, certainly inflation, the economy has been red hot and has been red hot for pretty much the entire year. But the choice question, because of the Dobbs decision, that is something that Democrats are trying to put their finger on and say, hey, we're back in the game and we're just as passionate. Is that just kind of the parties talking back and forth to each other? Or are you seeing that at all, that enthusiasm factor uh, in your polling? The enthusiasm, like the most recent poll that we did nationally, it's on our website on mclaughlinonline.com, and we wrote about it on Newsmax blog. 67% of all voters, and this is a thousand likely voters, people told us it's off a voter list, we know who they are, thousand likely voters, they're going to vote on November 8th, and it's modeled after the 2020 election. So you got 51% of this poll saying that they had voted for Joe Biden. But the enthusiasm, 67% say the country's on the wrong track. 55% disapprove of Joe Biden. And the generic ballot for Congress, which was plus five to the Republicans in July, is now 45-45. So the Democrats have gotten some momentum, but it's because they steamrolled the Republicans on spending in the economy. In this poll, the most striking number was 57% thought we we're in a recession. 60% they say the economy is getting worse, not better. 43% of all voters told us they're struggling to make basic ends meet because of inflation. And another 39% told us they're not struggling to make ends meet, but they are significantly impacted. So the energy should be on the Republicans running ads and messages about what, how people are getting hurt by these economic policies. And are, they, are those the messages that are out there right now, John, or Republicans in this case? Do they have to really refocus themselves and only talk about that? Because the numbers you just talked about, you put the two numbers together, 82% in your poll right. are saying yes. we're either hurting or we're struggling, right, because of inflation. Yeah. Right, and it's because the, you don't have enough clients because – if there was Republicans <laughs> using you for ads, you'd be all over this. You'd have ads saying, and, and by the way, these are the responses we get from focus groups and people. I had to decide between driving to work and feeding my kids. I went to supermarkets. I'm in, I'm in shock. I can't buy meat. I can't. People that have told us never in their lives have they ever had to do this, but they're going to food banks now. I mean, and it's not so much seniors because they've seen inflation, they adjusted. 
it's younger people. It, and it's really people with kids and people, they can't afford health care. They can't afford, you know, utility bills. 20% of all Americans are behind on the utility bills. So, John, what impact do you think the Dobbs decision will have on turnout in the November elections? A little Small, bit among moderate, the large. Will, will it have an impact? Will it, will it cost any, in your estimation, will it cost uh, Republicans any uh, borderline battleground congressional seats? Or Senate seats? In Republicans' classic example of New York, they had a special election in New York 19. Know the district really well, John Fassel's old district. They had 63,000 votes for the Republican that lost by 2,000 votes. That's a district Donald Trump in the, in the Hudson Valley up towards Albany. He got 50% of the vote there in, in uh, 16 and got 48% in a bad year in 18. He got 178,000 votes there in 20. Wow. And right, so uh, in 20. So they left 115,000 Trump voters because they never ran one single ad with Joe Biden in it. They never linked the Democrat to Joe Biden. They never said a word about inflation and high prices. So, John, never. change hats for a second, so to speak. Uh, you're advising Democrats. What, would the Demo what should the Democrats do to have their best shot at either scoring beyond expectation or minimizing loss, depending on your perspective on the midterm? The Democrats, what they want to do is see how stupid the Republicans can be. And if they and basically, if they can keep the Republicans on defense and not play offense, because our advice is Republicans need to get back to playing offense. They need to. I mean, this is a failed Biden administration on inflation, the economy, the border. Crime is a national issue now. Our cities and suburbs are not safe. The suburbs are not safe. Cities are really not safe. Internationally, we've surrendered Afghanistan. We can't stop the war in Ukraine with Russia. Russia is no longer afraid of us. So Americans' anxiety and insecurity is overwhelming in this election. Two-thirds of all voters say wrong track, and, and a chunk of them, 22 points, are not voting Republican. The Republicans aren't making about issues. So, John, it's interesting because in Washington, especially amongst Democrats, there was a lot of pride and the Democrats are going to do a lot of uh, activities supporting the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which is a right. major legislative accomplishment for the Biden administration, for the Democrats. But my question is, and I have a theory on this, but I, I put the question to you. Does passage of legislation like that, is that going to have an impact on turnout or on electoral results in November? It, it Probably not for the Democrats in a positive sense. It should for the Republicans, because in that act, we said in our national poll, 50% of all voters to 37 oppose hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. Plus, they've got 20 billion in taxes there in the middle class. The economy is going to get worse because of that. Inflation is going to get worse. So if the Republicans play offense and use it, it'll help them with turnout and it'll skew the table. So maybe, you know, we, we, we actually in a midterm, we could have more Republicans and Democrats vote in a good midterm. You think that that act is possibly a net positive for Republicans passage of that? If they, if they, if they play offense with it, but I haven't seen how many ads have you seen from Republicans? How many digital stories have you seen from Republicans going after this? It's, it's very different. You know, Justin, you've you've been in campaigns or, or where by this time the Republicans are looking at Joe Biden and, and Velcroing him to every Democrat they're running against. And 
I don't know. It's it's just they took August off. <laughs> so it's like they got to go after So, John, put on your uh, your forecaster's hat right now. Is there a w- race to watch? Like of all the races, so many races, colorful races. Is there one in particular that we should kind of really take a bead on that maybe is going to define fortunes and fate this cycle? Well, the one I like is I'm involved in uh, Lee Zeldin's race in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a two-to-one Democrat state. And Trafalgar came out with a poll this week that says we're within four points. And it's because of all the here you are in this deep blue state. No Republicans won statewide there since Pataki in 2002. And you're looking at a situation where Zeldin, you know, there were a lot of bogus polls. They, they were supposed to lose the primary, all that kind of stuff. I We had them, you know, by 21. But you had a situation after he won the primary decisively. It, there was an attempt on his life. I mean, and the guy was released. Right. The guy tried to, to knife him and the national media didn't cover it. Uh, but it was, you know, it happened and there's plenty of it. So, but it's cashless bail. Uh, it's, uh, you know, crime in the streets. It's the economy and taxes and people leaving New York. It's the problems are, and the issues are so severe that here, here's this Republican neck and neck with, you know, a Democrat incumbent. Uh, well, she wasn't elected, but she's the incumbent governor plus New York's unique situation of corruption. The governor just launched on Zeldin this week with ads attacking him for Trump and attacking him on abortion. And, you know, he's defying gravity right now so that he, he's coming back. And if he wins, that tells you that it's a it's Got a it. landslide. Got it. John, I have a question about uh, the polling industry and the predictive value of polling. The you know, there's been uh, lots of talk in, in Florida. I remember in 2018, the one of the pollsters, the Quinnipiac poll, had Ron DeSantis the day before election day in November of 2018 had Ron DeSantis losing to Andrew Gillum by seven <laughs> points. That's right. The day before election day, and obviously we know how that ended. What is your view, just in terms of the polling industry, about the value of polls? Because especially now when you have a Dobbs decision where I read an op-ed in the New York Times recently that said we have no model, that all the polls are not based on a model where there's any historical precedent because we've never had a Supreme Court decision that revoked a, a constitutional right. But even putting Dobbs aside, well, the larger big picture, uh, you're a pollster, you're one of the best in the in the country and in the world. Uh, what's your view on the predictive value of polling going forward? Well, I'm a big skeptic about polling. So let me tell you, I, I have an MBA in quantitative methods. And the first thing I do is we, we, we set up, we have very stringent quality control checks because the science of probability that governs polling is not that exact. So what we do is we set up a model based on past history. We set up as we're executing it, we, you know, we pull voters from a voter list. It costs us more money. You know, their polls, they don't. And it's the media polls. The media polls have been corrupted by the corrupt media. And, you, you know, when you look at a poll, the poll you're referring to in Florida, at the same time, my brother Jim and I were polling, our firm was polling in Florida. We had surveys that, you know, DeSantis and Scott were going to win. It wasn't close. They were going to win decisively. Here this poll comes out of nowhere, says they're going to lose. And it, it, it happened the same thing during the Trump election. You had the Washington Post put out a poll the week before the election. Trump was losing Wisconsin by 17. Right, I remember. Yeah, remember. He calls me at 6 in the morning in Vegas. He calls me on my desk, and he says, what's this poll? It has me down 17. 
because he's going to go back to Wisconsin and wants to know. And I said, it's a bad poll. And he says, what do you mean it's a bad poll? He says, it's the Washington Post. I said, yep, they're PhDs. They got plenty of people that run this poll. They have, it's eight points Democrat bias in the sample. Plus the way they did it in parts of the state, it's biased towards the Democrats. It's a bad poll. Just ignore it. It's neck and neck. I can tell you, John, that I, I'm glad I wasn't on the other end of the phone when uh, Donald Trump was calling, asking why I'm down 17 in Wisconsin, right? I'm glad you took that call. You probably knew how to handle that, right? Well, well, I did. I told him the truth. And I said, it's neck and neck. And he says, why would they do it? I said, well, think about it. It's, it's a pandemic. It's Wisconsin. Mm. They know that the mail-in vote that's already been cast, the early vote is going two to one against us. They know the people voting on election day are going to vote two to one for Donald Trump. So they're putting this out there to say, you know, it's snowy. He can't win. It's cold. Right. There's a pandemic. Don't bother waiting online to go vote for Trump. If there's long lines, these people will blow it off because you're going to lose by 17 points. That's what they're hoping. They're trying to suppress our vote. And he's like, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's the Washington Post. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's like, but you get polls like that. Right. And they're doing polls. Like the, the, the Zeldin poll I mentioned about Trafalgar, having them down four. Right before that, there was a bad online poll that was just literally made up by Server USA. Had him down by 24. And they're like, why would, why would they do that? And I'm like, the media is to dry up your money. So there's a lot of bad polls that hit in August, September. And it's to dry up Republican money because the average voter doesn't pay attention. They're too pissed off. They're going to go vote. It's the donors and people like us that talk about this stuff and want, listen to our podcasts. They're the <laughs> ones who pay attention. And, and the Democrats know it. So they've corrupted the, uh, you know, the bias. They've corrupted the media. And the media that's, uh, that does polling, they've corrupted them. John, I have to ask you, just, uh, I'm so curious about that. Is there any has there been any research or evidence to show? Because I think I think it seems likely that this is true that a poll being put out, like the Wisconsin poll, showing Donald Trump out by seventeen points, does do, is they, do we know whether that does have an impact on voter turnout? Because if it does, then you know this whole concept of voter suppression by putting out a poll like that uh, has merit to it. But is there any research or evidence that shows that? I don't think in, in that case, we blew it off and Trump did his rallies there and, you know, it was a neck and neck race. I think the biggest problem they had is you saw the Wisconsin Supreme Court decision four to three. Right. They said that there were illegal ballots cast because people were saying they were permanently disabled and voting early and they weren't. They were voting absentee. There, were ba there was ballot harvesting and the Zuckerberg thing. So that that was more of a problem. In other races. You know, there hasn't been a really good study of that, but the American Association of Public Opinion Researchers has said, they put out a study saying, oh, we can't, they blamed it on Trump voters. We couldn't get them on the phone. Oh, <laughs> right. They didn't try. Right. They, these bad polls, most of them, when you see them, you look under the hood, like our national polls based on a 2020 model. The exit polls in 2020 were 36% Republican, 37 Democrat. That's our model. These media polls, there was one recently had the Republicans losing the generic ballot for Congress. It was only 27% Republican in the sample. Yeah. So they poll adults, they poll registered voters, not likely voters. It's less expensive, but they get, they lower the Republican vote. And then they put out a headline saying Republicans are going to lose. So John does, we have, we have to get the bottom line, right? Justin, I get the bottom uh, line. Here's the bottom. So the bottom line <laughs> is 
who's going to take, who's going to control Congress after the midterms? Do the Republicans actually have a chance in testing for control of the Senate? Where do you think things are going to end up? I think things are going to end up where the Republicans win the House. The question is how many seats? Do they win it by 30 seats or do they win it by 50 or more? And that's a question of the Republicans playing offense. McCarthy's, uh, Leader McCarthy is supposed to come out with his commitment to America. That will help everybody nationally, which will be an agenda-driven, issue-driven. They need to do it sooner. <laughs> Tomorrow, I wish. But they need to you know, play offense and go to war. The Senate races are tougher because Schumer and the Democrats have been hitting you know, the, the Republicans. So now, but you have, I believe we're going to win the Senate, but it's going to be close. And you got Oz is now taking it to Fetterman in Pennsylvania. So I think Oz is, is within range and he's probably going to win. I think Herschel Walker wins, ekes out uh, Georgia. Nevada looks good for Laxalt. The question is, do the Republicans win Arizona? Do they win New Hampshire? It, and it seems too early to tell there. Ron Johnson will survive. Marco will win decisively in Florida. You know, so North Carolina will go Republican. So if the Republicans do what they have to do in September, which is critical because early voting starts right. like 45 days, 46, 45 days out in some mm-hmm. states. So October, a lot of votes are going to be cast by Democrats. Republicans will wait for Election Day. If the Republicans fire up their votes, win the independents, pull off some Democrats, they got to look at the 67% wrong track and say, how many of those votes can we get? The 55% disapprove of Biden. They want to vote for us. Go get them. Go raise the issues and attack. Exactly. So so I assume that your younger brother— by seven years, we've learned, uh, agrees with the you younger, on this. And if not, if not, you get the final word, right, John? Right. Yeah, the, the younger, more likable. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I, I, we're thrilled that uh, you joined us today. You're among the first uh, of our many guest stars to come uh, on 13th and Park. And and Johnny, you're, you're, you're as classy a, a guy as you are good as a pollster uh, in getting the pulse of America. Take care of yourself. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank Justin. you, John. Thank you, Adam. Great it, to be with you. It's an honor for me. And I look forward uh, to work with you, Adam, to change history again. <laughs> I'm writing the spots as, as we speak. Take care of yourself, John. Be good. You <laughs> Thank you. So, Justin, I was kind of, you know, you always like to, talking to pollsters, right? You always want to say, what if you're wrong? Right. right? Got to put them on the spot. Right. You know, they, a lot of really interesting uh, observations there. And, you know, the one that everyone's, at least the, when I go out and I talk to uh, people who friends, Democrats, Republicans, is is really turnout. The Democrats have a, a belief that the Dobbs decision is going to really yeah. motivate voters, Democratic base, female voters, and, you know, or is it the economy stupid? And John was clearly on the side of it's the economy, right track, wrong track, that's going to predominate. I asked him, I put the question to him directly, is the Dobbs decision going to have an impact on on the results in November, and he didn't seem to think that it would have much of an impact because the economic issues, right track, wrong track, are so heavily against the Democrats. 82% are struggling. That, that coming out of the poll, he said they're struggling. You understand why the economy is still ultimately the pocketbook issue is probably still at the, the 11th hour where people may be default to, but we'll see. But you asked a very interesting question too, Justin, about do polls influence voting? And, I, and he 
Johnny mentioned the race we did with Marshall Coleman when he ran for governor in Virginia years ago. The Washington Post put a, a front page story out four days before the election saying Marshall Coleman was going to lose by like 15 points. Mm-hmm. And he lost by one half of 1% <laughs> in the closest election to that point in the history of gubernatorial elections. So we don't know, right. except the mood of the country, I think, is impacted, I think, more directly by the things that happen every day which is why if I had to put my money anywhere, I'd probably go with what John said about, you know, the economy stupid. Right. Yeah, no. And in, in the New Jersey uh, governor's race in 2021, uh, the Republican candidate lost by one or two points to the incumbent governor. And no one, no one saw that coming. So it's just interesting to me that, and we talked about the, the validity of polling. And that was another kind of interesting observation here was that he's like, I'm not really a big fan of polling. He said, hey, I have a, my master's degree in quantitative math or quantitative analysis. And he's not, really thrilled with some of the polls that he's seeing come out because the the probability of some of them being right, he says, it's too, um, is too great. Yeah, you know, he's uh, a Republican. Incorrect is too great. So he's a Republican pollster. So we understand right. you know, that there's an orientation, right? But he did seem to have a, a more hopeful uh, estimation of maybe Republican chances in the Senate, where, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've been reading article after article about how Republicans supposedly are down the mouth about their prospects of taking over the Senate. Right. Yeah. He didn't seem too confident about Arizona Republicans chances in Arizona, yeah. mm-hmm. but he felt like Oz in Pennsylvania was, was doing okay, or at least was in striking distance. Uh, I think the momentum probably is, is, is shifted somewhat in that, in that state. He seemed high on Herschel Walker, uh, in Georgia. And also uh, Nevada is another one that uh, the Republicans with Laxalt have a have a good shot there. So those are those are the pickup opportunities. Uh, you know, the one thing he talked about New Hampshire, and you know, I, I I do think that that's good. That's obviously a battleground, but I think the Republican candidate there's got a real solid shot there as well. The nice thing about all this is, and and this is what Thirteenth and Park is going to be dedicated to. We want to get information and find out, you know, what what we need to know. So that we, we the audience in America, can make our own decision about kind of where things are and maybe where things are going. Right. No, there's, we're going to be able to talk to some people who do this day in and day out, and we're going to get right to the, the core issues and with hopefully as little spin as possible. But we want to really put them on, put these experts, put these people that do this on a daily basis on the spot, ask them the tough questions and see what they have to say. I want you to know I'm writing TV scripts uh, from what we just (laughs) shared with Johnny. They're going to be powerful, I I promise you. Thanks for joining us on 13th and Park. Justin and I are going to be hopefully an emerging part of your life moving forward, and we're looking forward to being a part of the experience, which is literally, Justin, changing America. It is, and it's great to be doing this with you, Adam, and look forward to doing a lot more. Same here, bud. All right. Thanks, everyone. 